I want to talk to you this morning from a topic called Real Talk. Real Talk. Real Talk is just a slang term that refers to when you have someone in your life that can speak openly and candidly to you. In other words, somebody who can tell you that what you're doing is not right. What you're saying is not right. The way you're acting, it is not right. Real talk. I had a real talk with my son this morning on the way to church, and I was telling him that you have to make sure you keep your grades up because he feels like he's, a, he's going to be a rapper and he don't need to finish school. <laughs> so we had to have a real talk. And I had to let him know that, no, you need to keep your grades up and finish school. That's a real talk. And as we was talking, he, in the middle of the conversation, he say, is it going to storm today? In other words, he tried to wiggle out of it. And sometimes that's how we are when we're having real talks and people begin, begin to point our issues in our life. We try to wiggle up out of it. You know, but we need to be able to talk to people so they can point out some issues in our lives that we may and otherwise can't see. I want to talk to you from a story coming out of John chapter 4. And this is the story of the Samaritan woman or the woman at the well. Jesus was on his journey, the Bible says, and as he was on his journey from Jerusalem to Galilee, the Bible says that Jesus was weary. I love the way the Bible talks about how Jesus was weary. Husbands, you can use this scripture if you want to. When you're tired and you're coming home from work, you can tell your wife Jesus was weary. He was tired. He sat down on the well. Therefore, I'm going to sit down on this couch. <laughs> so as Jesus was sitting on the well, you know, this shows his humanity. That he was tired, he was weary, he was also hungry and thirsty. This is the God that we serve, that we can have a relationship with, a God that can feel our infirmities. But as he was sitting on the well, there was a woman of Samaria that came to talk with him. So when she came, you know, Jesus was sitting on the well and you know, I can kind of picture the story. He was tired and sweaty, and it kind of reminds me of when I, you know, first met my wife. You know, I used to be a personal trainer. I know I don't look like it now, but that, that, that wasn't funny. <laughs> but I used to be a personal trainer, and I was working out, you know, one day, and I was all sweaty and, and just, you know, just dropping sweat everywhere. And my wife, she came by and she stopped in her tracks. It's my story. I get to tell it. <laughs> but Jesus was sitting on the well, and, and, and this woman comes up, and Jesus say, hey, what's up? Let me get a drink. In other words, Jesus asked the woman for a drink, and, and the Bible said the woman, you know, she, she, she saw Jesus, and she was like, Probably thought he was trying to hit on her or something, you know. And he said, you've been a, a Jew asking a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. 
And she said this. In John chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, When a, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with the Samaritan. And I want to point out a few problems in this story that this woman had. And the first problem I would like to point out is that she had a racism problem. She had a racism problem. She said the Jews don't deal with the Samaritans. We don't like each other. We don't talk to each other. We don't communicate with each other. We don't deal with each other. We don't like each other. Racism is of the devil. Oh, I should have got a better amen than that. Racism is of the devil. For us to be prejudiced and, have, and discriminate towards people because of the color of their skins is of the devil. We cannot hate people because they're Asian or Hispanic or German or white. We as believers have to love each other. I have a scripture I want to read. Coming out of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Because not only does racism affect the individual, racism affects our community. It, it affects me as an individual because it caused me to hate and be and live a life of bitterness. It caused me to be miserable within myself. But it also caused me to spread it like a wildfire. Because now my kids are learning to hate. Now my kids are learning to be mean and nasty to other people. It's of the devil. We can't be prejudiced. We cannot be prejudiced because of the way people may look, act, dress, their race, their sex. We as the church have to love people right where they are. And just by Jesus talking to this woman, he's, he had broken down so many barriers. For one, she was a Samaritan woman. No Jew in his right mind would nevertheless talk to a, a, a Samaritan but a woman in public. She was also a sinner, but he still communicated with her. He was breaking down barriers. And we as a church, we have to learn to love people right. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 says this. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out. 
that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. In other words, it doesn't just corrupt you, it corrupts other people. Jesus came to eradicate racism. He came to eradicate racism. In other words, he came to teach, teach us how to love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent us his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Drop down to verse 20. He says, whoever claims to love God yet hate a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God. Whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Love is a command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sisters. We as the church, we know society have a problem. We know society has a racism problem and they're prejudiced toward each other. But we as a church cannot allow that poison to get into our hearts. The Bible tells us to examine your own selves. Have you ever looked around in your own life and see the type of friends you associate yourself with? Are they people that, that they all look like you? We are the church. God called us to build community. And racism stops me from reaching out to other people. We as believers have to love right and treat people right. I want to I read a story out of Acts chapter 10, verse 27. And this is Peter. This is Peter, the great apostle Peter, the, a disciple of Jesus Christ. The one that walked on the water, a leader in the church. In Acts 10, 27, Cornelius was praying, and God told Cornelius to go and get one called Simon Peter, who was in a city called Tarsus. And as he sent people over there, Peter was up on the roof praying, and God brought a sheet down, and on this sheet was uh, four-footed beasts and unclean things, and the Lord told Peter, Peter, being a Jew, to get up and eat. Peter said, no, Lord, I, I don't eat anything that's unclean. Haven't, have never ate anything that was unclean. The Lord said, what I have called clean, don't you call unclean. In other words, the Lord was breaking down barriers between Jews and the Gentiles, racism barriers. And he says this in 1027, this is when Peter went and met with Cornelius, the Gentile. In Acts 10, 27, he says, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering. In other words, a lot of people in there, a lot of Gentiles. The first thing he said to them, you are well aware 
that is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objections. May I ask you why you sent for me? In other words, Peter Hart wasn't right. He's saying that I'm here, but I really don't want to be here because we don't associate with each other. He had an issue in his heart. And we need people in our lives that are able to point out issues in our hearts. Later on in Galatians chapter 2, the Bible talks about how Paul had to oppose Peter to him, his face. And it reads, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with Gentiles, believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. In other words, Peter disassembled himself. We as a church, we as a church, I'm not talking to the world, I'm talking to the church. We who call ourselves believers and, and disciples and Christians and lovers of Jesus Christ, we cannot have a heart issue with racism. We got to love each other. Christ came to break down those walls of hostility between us. Let's love not people who just look like us and talk like us and act like us. Let's love everybody so we can pull people in and build community because everybody needs saving. Everybody needs Jesus. Jesus was talking to this woman, and I just want to talk to you all, some real talk. That was one issue that this woman had. But she had another issue also. We as a church, I'm going to say this before I move on. We as a church, we have to have the vision of our pastor. Our pastor's vision for this church, experienced church vision, is to be a multicultural, multi-generational church that brings hope, healing, and a home that resembles heaven on earth. That's our vision here at Experience Church. We're going to love you no matter who you are. We're going to treat you right no matter who you are. If we all just catch that vision, we'll be a better church. Jesus was telling this woman, I understand you have a heart issue and you don't deal with me, but I love you right where you are. But Jesus wanted to get a little deeper. He also said that this woman had a sin problem. As they began to continue their real talk, Jesus said to the woman, go and get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you have well spoken. You don't have a husband. He said that you have had five husbands. And the one that you have now is not your husband. So in other words, you have, have some issues going on. 
And we need to deal with these issues. This, we need to have this real talk so you can understand what you're in is not right. Jesus came to set her free from a sin problem. And if I wanna, just want to talk real with you and say Jesus came to set us free from a sin problem. The Bible says this, that Jesus came in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 it says that in, she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from sin. Jesus came to save us from sin, and we all miss it. Pastor Jordan talked about it. Sin is just missing the mark. It's just missing the mark. All of them quails he talked about, he was trying to shoot one of them, and they were everywhere, and he couldn't hit nothing. Sometimes we just miss it. But here's the thing. Jesus died for us while we was missing it. Amen. Scripture says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. In other words, he died for you right where you are. And a lot of times we like to say, I want to wait until I get right to come to church. I want to wait till I cleanse, cleanse myself up before I accept Christ. You cannot get right. I'm here to tell you today, you cannot get right. He came to make you right. Oh, glory to God. God came to break down barriers so that you can have a relationship with God. Thank God for Jesus. The Bible says that in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him, God has made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, so that we may be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, he came to die for you so that you can receive his righteousness and he receive your sin. So therefore, you don't have to live in guilt. You don't have to live ashamed of your past because Jesus already took it. Amen. And this is what he's telling this woman. He's having a real talk with her. He's telling her that, hey, I know about your five husbands that you had. In other words, I know about your past sin. But I also know the one that you have now isn't your husband. I know about your present sin. But let's have some real talk and let's deal with this. And we as, as believers, we as people, we need to have a real talk with Jesus and say, Lord, I got some stuff in me that I need to deal with. Because a lot of us, we know how to get saved. We know salvation, but God not only delivered us from the penalty of sin, he also delivered us from the power of sin. Oh, we praise God for delivering us from the penalty of sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Glory to God, I'm saved. But the power of sin is what we struggle at. And sometimes we're like Lazarus. We come up out of the, the tomb. We've passed from death unto life, but we still are wrapped up with some stuff. 
and we're looking like mummies instead of Christians. And people are saying, what's going on? I thought you were supposed to be a Christian, but you're not loving right. You got racism going on, and you're not loving right. You have sin in your life. But we're wrapped up. Come on. As believers, it's time to get loose. It's time to get loose so people can see who we are. They can see the love of Christ. They can see the righteousness of God in my life. Romans chapter 6 reads this, like this. He say, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Likewise, ye also yourselves, Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. This is Jesus talking real talk, saying that you have the power over sin. Don't allow it to reign in your mortal body. Verse 13, look what he tells us. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. We have the power over sin. We just have to start making better choices. We just have to start surrounding ourselves with better people. People that will have a real talk with us and let us know it's not right to do that as being a believer. God has given us the authority over sin. Let's walk in that authority. 1 John 1.12 say, and you shall, he said, 1 John 1.12 1, say, 1, says that God as believing in Jesus Christ, we become the sons of God. We become the sons of God. As men as believers become the sons of God. So we, we have authority over the enemy. But we also have power over the enemy. Acts 1.8 says you should, you should receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You have power to do right, to live right. Let's just start making better choices as believers. And Jesus didn't come to condemn the woman. He came to show her the love of God. Because the love of God is, I don't condemn you for where, where you are. I love you right where you are. That's the love of God. Not that he came into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God is saying, I love you right where you are. There's no need for you to be ashamed, no need for you to live in guilt. I love you. She had a sin problem. And if we have a real talk with Jesus, maybe he'll point out some issues in our lives that we are dealing with. Not only did she have a racism problem, and not only did this woman have a sin problem, but she also had a religion problem. She had a religion problem. She says in John chapter 4, verse 19, she says, Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. 
So tell me, why is it that the Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans, we claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, I could have butchered that, where our ancestors worshiped. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that, that way, for God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. In other words, he, he just gave a revelation. Like, I am the one that's able to help you to have a relationship with God, not just a religion. Not just religion. I want you to really know God. I want you to be able to walk with God and talk with God. In other words, God wants us to be like it was in the beginning, where God created man to have a relationship, have fellowship with him. He's saying, I want to talk to you. I want to be able to have a real talk. I want to be able to walk with you no matter where you are in your life. I want to help you with your struggles. We as believers cannot live a life based on religion which is a set of rules because religion says, I got to do this. I have to do this. But a relationship says, I get to do this. A relationship with God says, I get to serve. I get to help people. I, I get a chance to show my heart's desire. Religion compels us to serve. It compels us to do good, but a relationship is a heart that just does it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus tells us how religion compels us to give. There's a couple of things I want to talk about as I close. Religion compels us to give. In other words, I'm not giving out of a pure heart. I'm giving just to be seen. Matthew 6, 1, Jesus says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly, publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven when you give. When? When you give to someone in need. Don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you openly. Rather, we're giving our time, our talent, our treasures Let's do it with the right heart. It's not about how you give. It's the heart in which you give it. It's not about how you serve. It's the heart in which you serve. 
We as believers, if we want a reward from heaven, we have to have our heart right when we begin to give. That's why we always say here, if, if you don't have it to give, no pressure. Because we want to make sure your heart is right. We want you to be a cheerful giver. Religion, it hinders, it stops that. It, it, it stops that heart, that, that true heart giving. And it also, it, it hinders our prayers and fasting. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to the Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you open. Religion can hinder our prayer and fasting. And we need prayer and fasting in our life. A true time of prayer and fasting because prayer connects us to God. And when I'm living a life of religion and I'm not being connected to God out of a true heart prayer, then I'm not being connected right. Because when I'm connected to God right, I'll connect to others. And also it helps us to, to live a life of uh, fasting right. We got to live a life of fasting because fasting disconnects us from the world and it connects us to God. And if I'm not fasting right, if I'm not disconnecting myself from some things, then I will always have a sin problem. Jesus had a real talk with this woman. And as you read the story, it tells you that when his disciples came up, the woman dropped her water pots and she ran back to the city and said, come see a man that have told me everything. In other words, she experienced freedom because she had a real talk. She found her purpose because she had a real talk with Jesus. She was free from racism, and she was free from a sin problem, and she was free from religion. She said, I met a man. Have you met him today? Have you had a real talk with him? As you get in your cars today, as you get back home and get in your showers, your prayer time, your quiet time, your alone time, have a real talk with Jesus. And say, show me some issues that I need to deal with. Let us bow our heads.